You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Well, how are you not ready for kickoff after halftime? You only had 15 minutes. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know what? <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hook! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm Travis Curra, Brazilian Thai, joining me. And I wanted to run this by you, Thai. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw this. Earlier this week, Arby's revealing that they're coming out with two flavors of vodka. One, the crinkle cut fry vodka, and the other so so just regular vodka because that's just potatoes. And the other one, the curly fry vodka. It is actually supposed to taste like them. <laughs> I I don't trust it. What do you mix that with? Ketchup. If you recycle path. <laughs> Arby sauce. <laughs> Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it. I've been trying. Vodka, but doesn't, vodka doesn't treat me very well, so I won't be going anywhere near it. But, okay, good call. <laughs> I mean, the curly fries don't sound terrible. But like, how is, how is the crinkle cut flavor vodka any different from just vodka? I don't know. Maybe it's just salted. I don't know. <laughs> the old Irish dilemma. <laughs> if you've got a cold draft in your place, now's probably the time to fix it as uh, as uh, Ty experienced on a 14-hour drive today. Uh, winter is here. It, 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 I don't care what the calendar says. It's basically here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can confirm. So if you want to fix that, Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector service can help. Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call and get your questions answered. Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY or when you might need to call in some professional help. Visit Rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. All right, Ty, Friday night doubleheader, and uh, these two games, of course, had big playoff implications here. The Argos stomping the Tiger mm-hmm. Cats 31-12, to just like we all thought. Uh, <laughs> the the Cats were playing some of their best football going into this game, but were they? Now, that is the question here. Don Jackson ended up having were to they miss the playing, game. Were they playing good football against mediocre teams? Or were they playing just average? That is the question. Uh, Don Jackson didn't play. Uh, I guess he had a bit of a knee issue. And that kind of translated into mm-hmm. absolutely no offense uh, from the Ticats. And to your point... Over the past few weeks, Jeremiah Mazzoli and the Ticats offense looked dynamite. But then upon closer inspection on the These season, 
<laughs> the Tie Cats are three and six against teams in the playoffs. They're struggling against teams in the playoffs, and this Friday night in Toronto really exposed that. Yeah, I mean, Don Jackson, like not exactly a name at the start of the year we thought would be such a catalyst this late in the season, I don't think. I mean, right, yeah. Kind of under the radar, a little forgotten in Hamilton. Uh, the last couple of weeks, the offense kind of ran through him. And, you know, this week they just did, couldn't make the adjustment. Masoli didn't play all that well. Uh, some bad drops, uh, you know, and just if you can't beat the playoff teams in the regular season, I don't know how you beat them in the playoffs. Like, it, it, it's it's really going to, it's going to be tough for them because, I mean, you had to bust out all your, you got to show all your hand, you got to show your hand here in the regular season to, to win these games, uh, you know, and to, especially in the playoffs, you're playing a team that you've already played at least twice maybe three times. So I don't know how you come up with a lot of new stuff. Like it, I just, just, it was not a good look for, for Hamilton on Friday night. Well, and if you couldn't get up for this game, what game are you going to get up for? This was the yeah. most important game of the season. And <laughs> their performance at BMO field was, was not good. And, and that's the question here. Now it doesn't seem like an ideal time to swap out your quarterbacks, but it's legit. Is it Dane Evans' time? And I, I think it might be. If you do it, you have to do it before the the East semi. You have to do it next week. Yeah, He's got to get agree. time. He's got to get reps. You, you can't go with Masoli again. And then if he doesn't play up to snuff start Dane in that playoff game. That's not fair to Dane or the rest of that offense. You know, he's going to come in with limited practice time. The timing is, you know, Masoli's kind of got the chem- little bit of chemistry back with some of the guys, but, you know, what, if you're going to make a change, you got to make it now because you, you can't go in on, you know, six, seven days worth of practice time. you got to give him all the time he needs or all the time you can give him. Yeah. Masoli was missing open receivers. Uh, mm-hmm. he went 22 of 40 for 326 yards, two interceptions. It, it kind of looked like the only guy that show up, showed up on the Hamilton offense was Tim White. That, that guy's making plays and he had 110 yards receiving on five mm-hmm. catches. And, and I know we can kind of say that the Ticats offense fell off without Don Jackson in there, but Sean Thomas Erlington was only given eight carries. So Yeah, back back to the same old, same old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's almost like they don't trust him. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, he's a- averaged just under five yards a carry, which isn't terrible. It puts you in second and medium. Yeah. Second and, ma- second and manageable, right? So I just, I don't get it. I don't because defenses are just able to pin their ears back and, you know, or even just send four because you know that yeah. they're throwing the football and you just outman the receiving core. So it, 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 they're getting back to that one, like they're getting back to that one-dimensional offense that we talked about the last three years with this team. Mm-hmm. And how many great cups have they won? Zero. And do, and they refuse to make a change except for the last two weeks. Like I don't get it. 
The best news for Hamilton on Friday night was that uh, the hometown Arkells will be playing halftime of the 108th Grey Cup December 12th at Tim Hortons Field. Kind of a predictable choice, but I think a great choice. Super predictable, uh, but at the same time, it it wasn't like it was the worst-kept secret. Like, I didn't see any leaks. I just it yeah, just made them. Yeah. I think everybody kind of put two and two together. It made the most sense. Nobody's got to cross the border, and all that stuff. Uh, you know, people are going to bitch because you know you get an American act. Well, now you don't have that, but now it's going to be the Canadian act they didn't want. So people are still going to find something to complain about. Uh, but I don't think you'll hear any complaints from the host city about this choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, on that note, credit has to go to Toronto, clinching mm-hmm. first place in the East Division. Uh, They're still undefeated at home. They've got the one more game that really means nothing Tuesday (laughs) against Edmonton. Um, I think you rest everybody. Might as well. I mean, at at times it's been ugly for Toronto, but they got nine wins. So why play your your guys three days after you just clinched home field? And instead of giving them, yeah, I, I would just give them a bye week. I'd, yeah, like, why not? Well. The, the the undefeated home doesn't mean a thing. So, mm-hmm. so get that out of the way the before Argos. the East final. And a, a great, great moment for that franchise. The new logo, uh, it's the first time they've been first in the East Division, by my count, since 2007. <laughs> so, oh my God. Uh, good for the Argos. It, it did seem like they had a very spirited group. At BMO Field, and w- when you go on the Ticketmaster map the night before, sometimes it almost looks like they're trying to make it so the Argos don't sell tickets. <laughs> like they've got the social distancing mm-hmm. pods set up. It looked like there were about a hundred tickets left, but that's all you could buy on Ticketmaster. Yeah. That that being said, uh, they're starting the process to sell tickets for the East Final. Either way, it's going to be Hamilton or Montreal going to Toronto to the East Final, and now they can start to sell tickets. I hope they get a good crowd uh, in the six for that game. Good for them for, you know, clinching first in the East. But it they, they kind of remind me of the Riders in a way, where they're just winning in these ugly ways, but they're yeah. winning. <laughs> like, how well, can I mean, you dissect nobody it? Ran, nobody ran away with that division, right? So yeah. It's almost like every team had their warts, and most weeks they showed. And I was prepared to come on here and say that McLeabeth Thompson isn't a starter, and you know, just I I, I thought that Hamilton was going to just absolutely boat race them, pun yeah, intended. Against I think a lot of people did. <laughs> uh, and then when that didn't happen, and you know, a pick and a touchdown, two hundred fifty yards, seventy six point five percent. He did what he had to do. He did, yeah. And this Hamilton team played like absolute garbage, so he didn't have to do much. The run defense for Hamilton was was good. Uh, DJ Foster yeah. had 18 carries for 47 yards. Like they, they just could not yeah. get the run game going against the Ticats defense. Uh, but and then MBT did what he what he had to do. A beautiful move, uh, a mm-hmm. touchdown. Uh, Curly Gittens Jr. seven catches, 72 yards. He might be the MOC coming out of the East Division. He's been he's been a good find for the Argos. Like yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of 
another guy who's, you know, in that, especially in that East Division, like it's, I don't, yeah, I don't think you yeah. can name any very, but you can't, you can't put up Sean Thomas Arlington because they don't use him. Right, Mon- Montreal. I mean, I, I don't think anybody there comes close for MOC. Uh, and then Ottawa. I mean, I, I guess <laughs> I don't know. Curly Gittins has like, been good. Yeah, I think I think that I think that might be he probably is the front runner. You're right. Man, that, that's really he's got over six six hundred receiving yards, four touchdowns mm-hmm. on the season. And I think at the beginning of the year, as far as Canadian receivers go, a lot of people were looking at Herji Mayala in Calgary or mm-hmm. Lamar Durant in BC and between injuries and just not being able to take that next step, Curly Gittins Jr. Yeah. has been uh the the Canadian mm-hmm. receiver that has been really producing for his team. But at this moment in time, Chris Jones and Rich Stubler, their defense is is working. Henock yep. Mwamba had eleven tackles. You want to talk about Canadians, he is really leading that defense when he's able to be mm-hmm. on the field for the Argos. Yeah, when he's healthy, he is arguably what? Top three? Yeah. When it comes to linebackers. So I mean he had eleven tackles. The next closest guy, Sean Oakman, had four. Mm-hmm. He was like, all everywhere. over the place. He's everywhere. <laughs> he, it doesn't matter. He's, yeah, he's he's ridiculous. Well, and a, another shout out, I think, to Cordero Law. Last week, he ended up uh, getting himself a performer of the week nod in the CFL. Mm-hmm. And this one, he had another sack, a, another two tackles. And of course, your boy, Chris Edwards, ended this game with a 78 yard interception return for a touchdown. So. Unbelievable. <laughs> Good for the Argos. I'm fascinated to see where the Tie Cats go from here, man. I have no idea where I, that one is going to go. <laughs> I, I think they go and lose the East Semi and sit at home and watch Grey Cup. Just like you have been hoping for all year. <laughs> well, I wanted I wanted them to host the East Final and Toronto beat them in the East Final. That's what I really wanted. <laughs> the second half of the Friday Night Doubleheader, the Calgary Stampeders beating BC... 33-23. They needed that uh, that game to clinch the playoff spot and send BC packing, and BC is packing right now. Mm-hmm. And that being said, it, Michael Riley is really – it looked to me at times he's tried – well, he has played with heart. He's been getting hit hard. He, he still gets up and – trying to put the team on his back, but just when you don't have the running game, it makes it tough. And James Butler probably had his best game as a lion here, though. And it kept the game close, I think, against the Stamps for much of the game. Right up until, you know, the fourth quarter, James Butler had 11 carries for 89 yards. He also had seven catches for 36 yards. Yeah, over eight yards of carry. <laughs> Probably should have given him the ball a little bit more. But Michael Riley, over 80% completion. He had the touchdown, 340 yards. <laughs> I don't know what else the guy could have done. When, when you look at his stat line, you wouldn't think that his team lost by 10. Uh, other than 
sacrificing his foot for a win. Yeah. I don't know what else he could have done. Yeah, the key stat is the the touchdown column because you look over at Bo. Yeah, Bo three, three touchdowns. They were finishing the drives, and BC just wasn't doing it. And uh, mm-hmm. when uh, Nicholas Vogel has to kick the the three field goals to keep in it, that was the difference in the game. They finish a few of those drives. Then uh, they, they probably win this game and they live to fight another day. But that wasn't to be. I, I think the big story for the Stamps was the return of Reggie Bagleton, who looked like he'd and never been return. gone. <laughs> he, it's like he never went anywhere. He had seven catches, yeah. 119 yards. He had a touchdown. He had another carry for 21 yards. He was all over the place. He was the most expensive receiver or one of them on CFL Fantasy, and for good reason. He definitely produced, but ends up having mm-hmm. to leave the game. Uh, I guess it's a a neck injury there. Oh, man, that's a concussion. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, well, that's what Dave Dickinson said, and you, you can't really believe what the, what the coaches say, but it looked like they were trying to see... <laughs> Do the old, uh, you know, the, the the time watch back and forth. Follow it. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. What What's your name? Where are you? His His head <laughs> bounced off the. Like, it did. It did. It was real uh, bad. Hopefully he's okay. I'm guessing they'll give him this week against Winnipeg off to have him ready for Saskatchewan in the West semifinal. But it, him and Bo, it's like. They've never been apart, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, Bo, because where where was Reg, where was Bagleton in Chicago? Green Bay, I think. Oh, because I was going to say if he was in Chicago, Bo was better than any quarterback they've had on that roster in the last five years. <laughs> and Bo was definitely better than Jordan Love. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but with Bagleton in there. He gives more room for Kamar Jordan to fly around, mm-hmm. more room for Markeith Ambles to do his yep. thing. Jordan ended up having 71 yards receiving himself, and Kadeem Carey had 15 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. So it, it seemed like this is the performance that Stamps fans have been waiting to see from their offense, and maybe Bagleton was just that missing piece. They put up 33 mm-hmm. points. Uh, and they were finishing drives. That being like BC controlled the ball, and they had the ball for over thirty minutes. I have to look at the at the drive chart here. There was a drive in this game that, that was eight minutes or nine minutes. Yeah, and it, <laughs> that that's a, that's an NFL drive that, that doesn't really yep. happen <laughs> in the CFL. BC here it not, is not usually. 14 plays, 91 yards, 654 off the clock. Wow. <laughs> that is a is a big one that ended mm-hmm. with uh, a Javon Katoy touchdown there. Yeah, and if you have a drive like that, it has to end in a touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, 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 yeah. And I think I think the whole team knew that going in uh or when they were into the red zone if they were going to settle for a field goal, I think that Calgary probably just is gone. Like mm-hmm. BC would be so deflated. Not not that they weren't super deflated after a certain rookie took two terrible penalties on a punt return, but 
Ooh. And, and that that was it in the fourth quarter, and and that's why BC's yep. not in the playoffs, and Calgary is because they don't make yep. silly mistakes like that. Lucky Whitehead has an eighty-five yard touchdown return called back due to penalty. At that point, BC would have had a twenty-nine twenty-six lead, yep. <laughs> but when that return happens and it gets called back due to penalty, you kind of knew that. Well. BC Place has something to do with uh, penalties coming back or returns coming back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, in 2014, that penalty was completely unnecessary. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we're all in agreement with this or with that. Um, I'm not sure why you drag a guy down and think you're not going to get caught. Yeah. And yeah. The, the tourist hit, like... How many times does that have to be called before guys know they can't do it? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's been in the, the the blind side, tourist hit, whatever you want to call it, coming back towards your own end zone. Everybody knows, you know, it, it, it's just, it's just stupid. Uh, I, I feel for, I feel for that kid. Cause I mean, he, I don't want to say that cost the BC Lions the game because, you know, they had other chances to score points and didn't. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean the timing of that is just the worst possible timing. So the BC Lions in 2019 go five and thirteen. They were zero for against the West. Yeah, absolutely brutal. Now this year, four and nine, one and seven against the West, and I believe the so game they won was the they one improved. that. <laughs> that the game they won was in Calgary when Bo was playing with a broken leg, wasn't it? I think so, yep. So the hype of Riley going to BC, paying him all that money, and you have one win over a West team through two seasons. And you know, I don't blame Mike Riley for that though. Like I mean, yeah, your that's true. Only so long. Take all the money you can when you when you can. But realize that all the money that you just got paid means you're going to get lit up every week. And maybe he's feeling the pressure as well, putting it all on his uh, his back, which, which I get. They only had one win at home this year. Can yeah. it be another offseason of changes? I, I, I've seen a lot of people kind of questioning uh, Rick Campbell's coaching. I don't think you go into another season with another new coach. No, and especially with with the football ops cap. Uh, now that Dom Rimes came in towards the end of the season, it, it looks like he mm-hmm. finally started to produce, and the, and the Lions had three legitimate receivers to throw to. Going into 2022. I, I love mean, Mike Riley, but the only way this team succeeds is without him. Interesting, interesting point, man. Right, right. You want to pay seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for a quarterback that you can't keep upright? Yeah. Or, or do you want a quarterback like just for example, Nick Arbuckle, or whatever, making half that money, and you can build an offensive line around him? Yeah. Less than half. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's a right? lot of yeah, cash. It's all, yeah. Like it's. That that's the biggest issue, and you see it. You see it in the NHL too with teams. Like, look at the Leafs. In, in, in next year, they, they don't have money to pay anybody. 
that's two like, like stud all star offensive linemen that yep. I mean that the savings between an Arbuckle and a Riley and I know Riley's more proven. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but going into next year, I mean, what do the Lions do this season? There was a lot of new faces on the defense. Basically, that yep. entire defensive line was new to the CFL early in the season. They were performing well. They had interceptions from the secondary. I, I think next year you just need to need to have balance and to have a running game going. And but but at the same time, it's hard to get a running game going when you're when you can't pay off an offensive line. That too, like, yeah. We, how many times have we brought it up in the last two years with this team that, you know, or with almost any, you, who's the best example? Winnipeg. Yep. That offensive line and, you know, they won a great cup and they've lost one game since. And they're well on their way to winning another one because they have built a team with an old line and yeah, guys are taking less because they're winning. Like, that's the only way that's going to happen and it's not going to happen and, Mike Riley's a great quarterback, don't get me wrong, but I, with the money he's making, it makes it really hard for a team to succeed. Calgary did have another injury coming out of the game. That was defensive tackle Mike Rose. Mm. Ooh, if he's out for a bit, that's a significant loss for Calgary's yeah. defensive line. He's been dominant at times this season, so yeah. that'll be another player to watch. He'll pressure by himself. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be a guy right? to watch going into the so, playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I mean, I, I don't know if there's much to say about Winnipeg in this one, but Montreal beating the Bombers 28-14. It was Winnipeg's B team. Clearly, there was a point right at the beginning of the fourth quarter where Montreal's Eugene Lewis had 35 passing yards mm-hmm. and Sean McGuire had 31. <laughs> Yeah, and I had both of them in my lineup. Um, actually, I overheard on the PA system at Molson Percival Stadium say, uh, Alouette's money line betters, please proceed to pay window when that stat came up. Are you serious? Can you bet on no. the game? At- oh. <laughs> but that's how sure that they were. Yeah, that's yeah, how sure yeah. I was at that point that Winnipeg wasn't going to do a damn thing. I'm so gullible. Uh, oh, that word was- not even in the dictionary. <laughs> It was the very next drive where I, I think uh, McGuire like tripled his passing total on two passes uh, yeah. or, or, or something like that. But you just look at the time of possession in this one. Montreal, 39 minutes and 14 seconds. <laughs> yeah. They just beat him up. Yeah, they did. And I mean, it's not it really exactly that exactly what everybody surprising. expected. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not that surprising. But two weeks in a row... Reggie White Jr., a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And he's 2500 bucks on CFL Fantasy. He's probably going to go up to 3000 maybe would... a little bit more now. Yeah. Uh, but that Eugene Lewis, man. And then they'll sit him. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's almost like with the change at quarterback, they aren't looking as much to touchdown Jake. And Eugene Lewis has been stepping up here. Six catches, 51 mm-hmm. yards, two touchdowns. Welcome back to the CFL, Winston Rose. And I know he was uh, tweeting, like, I got to be better. But, man, when you're yeah. uh, trying to cover that guy. <laughs> Good Trevor, luck. Yeah, Trevor Harris was only throwing it to where Lewis could get it on those touchdowns. And yeah. they were that good That second plays. touchdown was stupid. Yeah. 
Harris, 18 of 25, three touchdowns, 144 yards. <laughs> he can't be the Zach Kalaros of 2019, can he? But at the same time, Montreal feels can't like... He? The, <laughs> Montreal feels like the team in the East, especially as the weather gets colder and they've got that weapon called William Stanback. Maybe the mm-hmm. team I, I want to avoid the most. Yeah, I think so. Um, Hamilton, I don't think they scare anybody right now. That de- their defensive line is good, sure, but yeah, everywhere yeah. else, just weak. Uh, Toronto on paper, I mean, if everybody's healthy, yeah. But right now, the Owls are clicking. Uh, you've got one of the best backs in the league who runs at contact. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, when it's minus 10, minus 15, I don't see a lot of guys wanting to get in front of that. Uh, they will cause they get paid to, but it's going to suck and they're just going to be able to beat defensive down their defenses down. Their own defense has been playing phenomenal. They've the really half. come together in the last little while. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've, they've turned it on. Uh, the return game could use a little work as we saw in the opening kickoff. Oh, uh, when, <laughs> But other than that, I mean, right now they're probably the, the team to beat in the East, and and they don't even they don't they're not hosting the East final. Well, and that's the way the game started as a, a botched, you know, kickoff return. Three plays later, the Bombers are up six nothing. Mm-hmm. I think they had a mixed missed extra points from uh, yep from Sergio Castillo. So everybody's saying, Weird. "Oh, great, here we go." <laughs> yeah. Uh, that but like, being but said, like Winnipeg fans couldn't have been that excited. It's like. You don't really think. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't give uh, Justin Medlock 20 grand to come back for four weeks or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, prorated. (laughs) But that being said, uh, Winnipeg's return game was dreadful as well. Shaq Cooper, you could see why... BC let him go a little bit. It, it was an event. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's normally doing returns. Yeah. Remember his first game in 2018? With, like, uh, with Edmonton. I remember that because I, I was in Morden. I was in a basement <laughs> in Amish country. But he was. it was like, man, this kid could be the next big thing, and it's just kind of fizzled out. Yeah, maybe he's not uh, a returner per se, and he, he's yeah. better doing the – doing the back work but man it was just not not good uh, sean mcguire throwing four interceptions goes 11 of 26 149 yards at the beginning of the year i kind of thought that winnipeg would be able to survive just with the way the system is the offensive line the the running backs they have the defense they have if zach Kalaros goes down now Chris i'm Trailer not so sure coming back <laughs> Well, now I'm not so sure. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it's pretty obvious that they can't. And it's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, McGuire had what yeah. a week. Yeah. It's his first start. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of time with the ones, and maybe you know, it, it's hard when you're when you're trying to go back to back to get your backup looks. But other than you know the short yardage and the and the rushing touchdowns on the sneaks, but. They if if Kalaros gets hurt next week, I think everybody's going to be yelling that Mike O'Shea shouldn't have played him. Well, do we know? Uh, he's and if he doesn't play. if he doesn't play and they lose the West Final, everybody's going to be yelling that he should have played. So it's yeah, a no win for true. O'Shea. That's true. 
It'll be uh, because if he doesn't play, that's basically four weeks of no game action until the yeah. West final. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. The, the last game of the week, <laughs> the Riders and the Elks, like what an adventure at Mosaic Stadium. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Like I brought it up with Toronto. Saskatchewan's got four wins in a row, three of them on the yeah, road. The way this team is winning games, I have zero faith in them. Well, so a 29-24 win over Edmonton here, it doesn't look promising with no. Calgary coming to town in two weeks. Nope. Man. That, like, I I said it in, the, in our group chat that I really feel like this rider season is kind of a sham. <laughs> it's like you know when you're when you when you you're walking down the street and the guy's got those three cards and you got to find the ace, but you never win because it's a scam. Mm-hmm. Like this is what Saskatchewan's winning games, but I mean they're not. Like I just don't see them as that being that good. It's almost like they're winning in spite jo- of themselves. Fajardo just kind of puts together this sort of defining drive in the fourth quarter. And (laughs) it's like the fourth quarter comes and he does what he needs to do. He wasn't bad in this one. There was an interception that had to come back on a pass interference that probably wasn't. uh, Well, not probably. Wasn't. <laughs> at at the end mm-hmm. of the game, uh, there was another interception thrown, but he had three touchdowns, seventy one point nine percent completion percentage. He had twenty two rushing yards. I mean, he did what he had to do, and I mean, through the first half, Duke Williams, I think it was something like one hundred and fifteen yards receiving in the first half. The rest of the receiving yeah. core had twenty four. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was all Duke Williams. And then he ends up getting hurt in the second half, and Ryder Nation <laughs> has a collective well, who's gonna, gasp. <laughs> who's going to recover the onside kicks? Well, exactly. And then five plays later, he's running out there like nothing happened. And I've heard a couple yeah. former players kind of bite their tongue on this <laughs> because they're like, wait a sec, you put on that much of a show and then five minutes mm-hmm. later you were good to go? Hey, uh, I've, I've, I've done that and then scored on the power play. It's not that bad. <laughs> like, if my knee bent that way, I'd probably be on the six-game injured list as well. So, Yeah, uh, that's fair. I, I'm thinking they're probably going to not play him against Calgary, but... Uh, Fajardo clearly had, uh, you know, some nice chemistry with Duke Williams, and he's been the pickup of the mm-hmm. season for them. Yeah, uh, you know he uh, he had 110 yards more than the second leading receiver for the Riders, <laughs> who was William Powell. Wow! Like wow! There is no there is there is no way that Edmonton should have had a chance to win this game. In, on that on their last drive, right? If Saskatchewan's right. this this good as everybody thinks they are, and sitting number two in the power rankings, bullcrap. There is no way this game should have been what it was. And I just don't trust this team whatsoever. 
Well, the Riders had, uh, I see the game as opportunities. Uh, it was early in the game where the Saskatchewan went to punt and Edmonton had too many men. So mm-hmm. the drive gets extended for, what, two plays and then a punt anyway. Uh, Jamal yeah. Morrow. Like, when you get, when you get, a, when you get gifted that, you have yeah. to you have to you have to capitalize. Yeah. One of the riders strengths this year has been not losing fumbles. They lead the league in that department. They've only lost 3, but Jamal Morrow back onto the roster, he ends up <laughs> fumbling on a return, but the very next one he had an 85-yard return, got thrown out of bounds, so they were able to capitalize on that one. So he redeemed himself a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, J- Jalen Tolliver with the touchdown there. And speaking of Edmonton, we got to give them credit too. Because Tolliver had two touchdowns, five catches, 98 yards. Taylor Cornelius, three pa- touchdown passes. He had the interception, yep. but 20 for 30, 224 yards. They get rid of the quote-unquote stars, and they're mm-hmm. just a better team. Like, this Walter Fletcher, I think they found something in this running back. Yeah. He had 88 and yards you know, rushing. I, I, don't think, I don't think James Walter Jr. was that big of a problem other than no, you know, the Twitter no. rounds about vaccines and all that stuff. He wasn't the diva we thought he was going to be. He wasn't the, the problem. Maybe when he's, you have guys like, like – yeah. he might be a bit of a problem. Who knows, right? But, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like what we saw in Toronto. Right. Right. right, at least the the reputation uh, he earned himself. The reput- yeah. yeah, the reputation definitely preceded him, and he, it just seemed like he was a different player, and he seemed like he was the only one who gave a crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and then yeah, but like you said, the star guys, like I mean, Darrell Walker and Greg Allison did nothing all year. Mm-hmm. Like they're based like I, I don't know what this team does. Like, and the fact that Alzano comes out and says that Arbuckle is they're, they're going to compete. Then why did you pay Arbuckle over three hundred thousand dollars next year if he's got to compete for a starting spot? Yeah, that seems like a kind of a dumb decision, right? So now we're just back into this mess of a front office that they have. Brock's obviously going to be back next year, or else I well, don't. Well, if he's allowed that, to make trades and sign contracts, he's right? Probably. Then I, I don't think unless they're going to be like the other team in Edmonton and let the GM sign a, a goalie that wasn't ready to be a starter yet. I mean, it's kind of worked out this year, <laughs> yeah. but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what, like, I don't know why they have to lose Darrell Walker and Greg Allison on the starting lineup to be better. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Because even if they are in the lineup, you think that opens up things for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it just didn't seem to happen. And one one area Edmonton has really struggled with this season is forcing turnovers. Like it's almost been non-existent. Mm-hmm. And in this game, yeah. they recover the fumble, get the touchdown. They pick off Fajardo late in the third quarter, touchdown to yeah. Tolliver. So they really were taking advantage of those uh, mm-hmm. in this game. I guess we got to mention what happened coming out of halftime. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's so many things in this that make me want to shake my head because there's only one for me. Well, how are you not ready for kickoff after halftime? You only had 15 minutes. (laughs) So, so yeah, you know what? (laughs) 
in the words of allegedly the head official, Tom Valesi, thank you, Brazilian Thai. Uh, this tweet from CFL Communications. What a bunch of cowards. Saying, earlier this evening, one of our officials used an expl- expletive during the Riders-Elks game, and it was picked up by an open microphone. We wish to apologize to any and all who were offended. The referee responsible has asked us to personally express his deep regrets as well. Ugh. Well, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't apologize for that. I don't think the apology is for Actually, the word from Tom itself. Well... It's not for the word itself. It's the way it was directed. <laughs> well, if they're not ready, it's too bad. Right. I don't I don't know like, if I've I, ever seen that. Like a, a timeout no. before the second half kickoff. I texted you and asked you, I'm like, who called that timeout? Because yeah, it yeah. didn't really matter which team. It wasn't going to be a surprise to me. <laughs> Yeah, there it is. What a funny Man, situation. They'll, they'll they'll have game with live mics, and they'll put out the disclaimer beforehand. They never apologize for anything. Well, isn't it the funniest thing that they're not doing the mic'd up stuff anymore, but this is a better moment that had ever come out of all of that? Hands down. <laughs> yeah. And it was unintentional. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like last year in the NHL when I can't remember which ref it was, but he basically got fired for oh, basically yeah. telling telling his partner, well, I had to give him one. It was a makeup, basically admitting that they doctor games and do makeup yeah. calls. It's like, yeah, we already yeah. knew that. You didn't have to say it, but now that you said it, <laughs> you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> he was in his last year anyway, but the league had to save face. It's like, man, like it, it was hilarious. Right? It yeah, that word to us, it's not that funny. But to a 10-year-old that hears that or yeah, yeah. to to our 3-year-old or two and a half year old nephew that hears that? Yeah. But do you know how hard it is not to laugh at that when it comes from a 2-year-old? Like if he if I he would have heard that, he would have repeated it instantly. Absolutely. And it would have been awesome. <laughs> and I probably would have encouraged it. Uh, let's let's do some blind uh, resumes here, Ty. I'm just going to read out some stats from two players. Okay. Uh, ten games played, 13 tackles, three sacks for one player. Yeah. Uh, the other player, 10 games played, 38 tackles, 10 sacks, one interception, one force fumble. That's Micah Johnson. That's AC Leonard. Oh wow. And the other one, Kwaku Boatang, who was a I, highly hyped player. Highly, uh, highly touted. Yes. Coming into this season. Mm-hmm. Um and I know he's he's Canadian and uh he he's had well, he had eight sacks in 2019, nine in 2018. I mean, is is the loss of uh, Armando Sewell to Montreal really making that much of a difference for Edmonton's defensive line? Man, we, we talk about it with Winnipeg. Jeffcoat and Jefferson, like, they open up so much for other guys because you got to worry about them. But Armando Sewell in the middle as a defensive tackle to eat up a double team because you almost have to double-team him. It yeah. opens up 
it opens up for Kwaku. Not saying that he's he's a bad player. No, but, I mean no. it, it's way better opportunities with Sewell in the middle. I don't think I don't think that's even, I don't even think that's really up for debate, is it? Well, to that point, isn't that Micah Johnson's value to Saskatchewan for Woodard and Leonard? Hundred percent, and and Micah Johnson can still get pressure. Yeah, a- too. A- absolutely. Uh, Odell Willis sent out a tweet yesterday. Winnipeg bookends have sixteen sacks. Saskatchewan's mm-hmm. have nineteen, and AC Leonard has missed three games. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, not only do Winnipeg's have sixteen sacks, that's without Drake Nevis. Right, he's off to pro- Toronto and hasn't who, really been on the who field we all, much. We all thought was you know one of the best. And he probably he is one of the best D tackles in the league. But we thought yeah. you know with him gone, yeah, Willie Jefferson's really really good. But now it's a chance to double team him more frequently. And I mean it, it. They didn't really seem to miss a beat on that defensive line. But for Saskatchewan to have nineteen just from the ends is crazy. I know that Winnipeg fans are going to attack Ryder fans because of A.C. Leonard's run-in with the doping officials, kind of like Ryder mm-hmm. fans have attacked Winnipeg fans for uh, Andrew Harris. Marrying, oh, oh, I was going to say marrying their cousin. <laughs> but A.C. Leonard has a career high in sacks in seven less games. Mm-hmm. He's had a great year for the Riders, and he... Yeah. We know he's not really going to get the recognition for it because of no. what happened in September. Uh, I, I think the the rider defensive player that's going to get the recognition is probably Luches Purifoy. Purifoy, Gators and, legend. And the fact that he didn't play in the second half is concerning mm-hmm. for the Rough Rider team. He, Very much uh, so. Uh, they, they want him good to go against Calgary in the West semifinal. They can't afford yeah. to be without Purifoy. No, and, and now that they have their ticket booked. I mean, I don't, I don't think we see a lot of guys play week six. Well, week and that's a question: Has this Ryder offense proven enough that they deserve to have the week off against Hamilton? Can I swear again? <laughs> oh. So they should play, is what you're saying. Hundred <laughs> percent. You did nothing to deserve a week off. Yeah, this fourth quarter was all William Powell, though. Like, yeah, man, he had a touchdown called back on the holding call with eight minutes left, and that that, that was that such was an a adventure. rough. That was oh a rough God. sequence for Edmonton because the touchdown gets called back with the holding call. And then it's first mm-hmm. and 25 because the Riders took a procedure. Then Edmonton mm-hmm. takes a pass interference. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, it came down right to the wire. Uh, one more thing I just want to say a shout out to the two fullbacks in this one the pride mm-hmm. of Lacombe, Alberta, Tanner Green, with a touchdown for the Elks. And then Alexander Dupuis for the Riders, a touchdown. It's good to see the fullbacks. His first career off. touchdown. Absolutely. you love to see that. Who were the fantasy leaders in Week 15, Ty? Quarterback-wise, 
We have Bo at twenty two point six, uh, Cody Fajardo at twenty two, Mike Riley at twenty point seven. Uh, I don't know how he completed passes from the ground, but he was able to. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Cornelius at twenty point one. So I mean, you know, kind of not not a total battle. I mean, not very high scoring, but I mean, they were still pretty close between him and Fajardo. Uh, as for running backs, James Butler led the way at twenty three point two, Walter Fletcher at eighteen point six, Kadeem Carey at sixteen point five. And like you said, they didn't really start. The Riders didn't start using Powell till like the fourth quarter. So yeah, we came away with twelve point five. So I mean, it wasn't crazy, but uh, Duke had twenty eight point six. Reggie Bagleton twenty seven. Jalen Tolliver twenty six point eight. Eugene Lewis twenty three point one. Curly Gittens Junior twenty point two. Like, I mean, just unreal performances from five. I guess they're not number ones, but I mean, five receivers from five different teams, like, and then Kutoy and Dominic Grimes in sixth and seventh spot. But I mean, the ball didn't get spread out too, too much. It seems. I had a loss to Joe Pritchard in uh, the Canadian yeah. football podcast. Did you, that did you start? You didn't start Sean McGuire though. So. I didn't. I started Jeremiah Mazzoli, which is worse. Probably like, worse. The the fact that I paid him $11,000 for that output is... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we've all built up to this. My record on the season is 6-9. Nice. <laughs> Week 16 <laughs> in the CFL uh, season starts on Tuesday. The Elks and the Argos. I think we can all agree this is going to be the best game of the season. <laughs> Who are they starting? Pip- Toronto has to start Pipkin, no? That's a good question. I don't think we see a lot of guys play that game for Toronto. Uh, so obviously for fantasy, the you get the Elks players twice. I don't know who's going to play both of these games, but probably maybe not high- worth it unless it's Walter Fletcher. I was going to say Walter Fletcher costs $6,000. And if you get a game yep. and a half or even one game out of him, I think that's yeah, not too bad. Put him bad. in your lineup now before the price changes. Yeah, I did that <laughs> as we were recording. <laughs> nice. Um, we'll be also, ba- before before you run away, um, I just won $723.53. From hockey or what? Yeah. Nice. And you won uh, so, 300 bucks on the Owls. 325 Nailed it. Hey, puck line Jesus. <laughs> we are part of the alberta podcast network locally grown community supported you can go to albertapodcastnetwork.com check out all the great shows in the network including the second floor podcast you can check them at secondfloorpodcast.com and that's not s-e-c-o-n-d that's two n-d floorpodcast.com where omid and kenny discuss how to survive thrive and keep good vibes flowing in life health and business that's the second floor podcast a part of the alberta podcast network ty and myself travis cura will be back on thursday to talk about week 16 the final week of the 2021 regular season before the great cup playoffs rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher we'll talk to you then thanks for listening Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.